The Cannabis and Home Grow Show is sponsored by AeroClean 420 and Aero Home Hobby, the industry leader in air purification in cannabis cultivation. Visit AeroClean420.com and PreventPowderyMildew.com to learn more about their cutting-edge technology that has proven effective across commercial grows for over seven years. You won't regret it. is California's leading cannabis nursery, offering over 100 plus varieties of premium genetics. From new strains to classics and exotics, there's something for everyone. Home growers and farmers can learn more at darkheartnursery.com. Greetings, cannabis community. I'm Mark Eden, and this is the Cannabis and Home Grow Show. Today's guest is none other than Rick Campanella of Brothers Grimm Seeds. He's the creator of Cinderella 99 and the founder of Brothers Grimm Seeds. He needs no further introduction. He's very well known. And Rick, I just thank you so much for taking some time out of your schedule in Colorado to talk to us about, you know, how you got in the seed business, how What's up? Yeah, that's great, Mark. Thanks for having me on. <clears throat> You're mentioning me by my real name, which is cool these days, but I've always been known as Mr. Soul um, from the 90s when I started the business. Um, we were in Boston at that time, um, and Cinderella 99 was the first real uh, creation that I came out of. Brothers Grimm, that was something unique and unlike what had been offered to the public in the past, and it you know, it stood the test of time in many ways. I'm very proud of that. I'm very proud of the company. And we're still going strong in 2021. Thanks again. <laughs> so did I just blow your cover? Am I wasn't no, I supposed no, to no. say your name? I'm saying actually that uh, <laughs> you didn't mention what normally would have been. You know, everybody, uh, I'd like to introduce you to Mr. Soul, you know. And you came on with uh, Rick Campanella and never mentioned the also known as. Yeah. So it's well, a, it's a change of pace for uh, for me. You know, I'm 60, uh, and this is a time in my life where I've seen such a change in the cannabis um, uh, legalization movement and so on since my uh, early days of starting to smoke marijuana at 14 years old, you know, back in 1973. So um, you can imagine for That's when I started. Uh, to, to see the, uh, the change in status of cannabis and the acceptance of legalization in so many states now and my ability to actually have a business that's legal and thriving. It's something my mother would have told me, I, that'll never happen. Stop dreaming, you know. It's, it's incredible. When did you actually get that business launched? How old were you? I was, um, let's see, I must have been 38. Uh, no, couldn't be. Um, yeah, 97. That puts me in my 30s. Uh, yeah, it must have been 38, 97. And I had already been working with a cannabis seed company called C uh, Super Sativa Seed Club uh, since 1987. So 10 years before that. So I was about 28 at that point. And what had happened was I was in college and I was, you know, studying to become a nuclear engineer. And then I got my bachelor's degree and I was working on my master's. And uh, during like probably my senior year, I think I discovered that I could grow weed in my walk-in closet. And uh, so 
that's what I started doing. And I reached out to the company Super Sativa Seed Club and bought seeds from them. And, and I started to write, e um, there was no email in those days. So I'd write letters back and forth to the company owner. And he took a liking to me and liked what I had to say. And my questions he thought were intelligent. And so we started a pen pal uh, relationship. And when I graduated from graduate school in 87, uh, yeah, 80, 87, 88, that year, I was given a job um, at a uh, engineering company as a nuclear engineer. And I worked in the evenings for the seed company, sending seeds out to the people all over the states that ordered from Amsterdam. And so that allowed me access to a lot of different uh, seed strains and gave me the um, wherewithal to study and learn everything I could about genetics and breeding. And I saw the results uh, of multiple different experiments that I did over those years and learned a lot. And then I got married and sort of pulled out of growing weed for a while. Uh, and then five years later, I was getting divorced and I went back to it again. So that's kind of the story of my life. I was weaving in and out of working full time on cannabis and part time uh, and work working a straight job during the day and not being able to tell any of my colleagues what I did at night and stuff like that. So very weird, <clears throat> you know, double life I was le leading and uh, not many, very many people can relate to maybe being a nuclear engineer and also a seed breeder. Yeah, um, that sets me apart. <laughs> that's different, but awesome at the same time. Yeah, well, now, I figure, you know, when you've learned, I always tell people, once you've learned how to learn, and that's basically what college does for you, you know, then you can choose to branch off and study whatever you want on your own. And you'll, you've learned how to learn so you can learn anything at that point, so. Well, you must love what you do because you're still doing it. I sure do. That's what I was born to do, I guess, because uh, I'm, I get up every day and nobody can stop me from like, I'm gung ho all day long about growing and breeding and getting the seed business performing the way it should. And we've had a great reception uh, from the public and cannabis community in general to uh, the stability of Brothers Grimm seeds is legendary. You know, we, we don't let anything go that's just a polyhybrid cross that you might get a dozen different phenos out of a dozen seeds. You know, we we uh, pride ourselves on breeding for stable, uniform results from every pack of seeds. So you've put together a team, am I correct? Yeah, it's starting to be a team now. I used to be such a, you know, one-man band um, doing everything myself. But uh, thankfully, you know, the interest in Brothers Grimm and the business has grown to the point where I absolutely have to have a few helpers. That's awesome. I've got a cousin who's working as an apprentice for me. I've, I've got a young lady who is my personal assistant. Uh, and um, they, those two and one or two other people working in the field, chasing down leads for commercial growers who want bulk quantities of seeds and things like that is basically how we run the business. And we have a presence on Instagram as is absolutely necessary in this business nowadays. You can find us as uh, Brothers Grimm Seeds, all one word, uh, on Instagram. And I also expose a little uh, personal side of Mr. Soul and where I live and how I live. And I raise alpacas and I have chickens and dogs and I have a ranch in Colorado. So it affords me beautiful vistas to take photos of and animal cute pictures and these types of things. So I'll post them on uh, Mr. Soul underscore C99 on Instagram. 
and a lot of people have connected with me. Rick Campanella on Hotmail, uh, not Hotmail, but uh, I do have a Hotmail uh, address that reads that way too. But it's uh, Facebook is Rick Campanella, Mr. Saul. So um, that's great. And you have a website. Yeah, our website is brothersgrimseeds.com. And you should go there. Uh, I'm real proud of the results of that. My sister built the website and um, it does very well. Um, we constantly have to remind people that we're there, of course, like any business. Uh, you know, if advertising was unnecessary, Coca-Cola would have stopped advertising a long time ago, right? Yeah. Well, you know, they're there, most of them, but they still advertise. I think you have a bit of a cult-like following and more people need to find out about what you have on your menu. So yeah. what's, what's on your menu these days? Well, uh, what we have on the menu is, of course, uh, Cinderella 99 is the uh, claim to fame for the company and myself from the uh, early days of first releasing. You remember Cinderella 99, the name came from the fact that it was released in 1999. So... It's a little over 20 years now that that strain has led the field as far as a stable um, indoor cultivar to um, either grow or breed with. And um, and then only a couple of years ago, we hit the top, top, top 10 list for High Times Magazine with Rosetta Stone. And um, that's also available both in FAM and regular seed. And um, let's see what else I, I can tell you about uh, what else we have. Uh, the latest um, new kid on the block is Grim Glue, which is a cross of uh, a, it's a uh, GG4 um, derivative that we love that particular clone. It's called Baby Gluey. And we crossed that to Cinderella 99, one of our best uh, C99s. We reversed it and made a femme seed out of it. And that's been selling like hotcakes. And I'm getting amazing result pictures and descriptions from the clients. Uh, it's been out for a year now. So there's a lot of data supporting um, how successful that's been. And Killer Queen is another... Uh, old standard on our menu that's a cross between the G13 from Airborne. Back in the old uh, me message board days, it was a, a character named Airborne and he had a G13 hash plant from, uh, came from the seed bank, uh, Neville Schoenmacher, the famous breeder, he had created that. And we cross it to Cinderella 99, as was done back in the 90s by Vic High from Canada, who's since passed away. So Killer Queen is, one of the more indica-leaning strains from Brothers Grimm, where we mostly have uh, sativa-leaning strains, Queen of Soul being one of them, Princess Hayes. Uh, we have Apollo XX. Is a uh, Anything with XX in it uh, on our menu means that it's a femme seed, because females have two X chromosomes. So it's sometimes misinterpreted. <laughs> you know, people will say, oh, what's Cinderella 20? You know, like they're reading it like it's a Roman numeral. I'm like, no, that's... It's XX. It's, it's XX. Got it's it. For the chromosomes, you know, it's, it's a female seed. And we, Do you sell any auto flowers? No, seeds? I never wanted to get into that um, because. Ooh, how come? Well, think about it. <clears throat> I'm, I, I really have staked my reputation on my seeds being reliably consistent. And since an auto plant dies at the end of its life and you can't continue to keep a clone of it, how can I reliably use the same two parents to make a pack of seeds when they die every time? 
you're starting over with another generation. And that's not something I can accept. Hmm. Interesting. Well, am I making myself clear? Because Oh, yeah. No, it's an interesting perspective that probably people would not think of. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how these guys do what they do, but they have to be starting over when they make the next batch of seeds with two entirely new parents. And how are you then going to reliably recreate what you had sold in the past? It's almost impossible. Yeah. So the consistency isn't i mean i've heard that before mm-hmm. you know you just when you get your autos you're just gonna have some are gonna be tall some are gonna be short mm-hmm. and it's it's just wild when they decide to flip into flower so. well take into consideration also that my best uh, clients uh, more are uh, big commercial growers that want to buy tens of thousands of my seeds at any one purchase and so it's very important for them to be able to put them down and uh, count on them all performing nearly identically instead of having a pheno hunt, which, you know, is fine for kids in their basements and uh, closets and so on if they want to play. But a commercial grower wants to say, okay, I put my money down on these seeds and I want them to perform as advertised, you know, and that's a huge responsibility for me when you're talking about those kinds of numbers, because being, you know, mathematician, scientist, uh, nuclear engineer, I'm aware that in statistics, uh, population size is hugely important. So you can take a dozen seeds, uh, you know, and make some kind of determination about the quality of them. But it's much better to have 12,000 seeds and make a determination based on the results of those. Yeah, the farms need the consistency. Hands, they can't lose the money. And uh, it may be a novelty for home growers, a fun yeah. thing to do, but hey, a pheno hunt makes sense for you as a business. Yeah, it, you know the kind of clients that I sell to don't want to do a pheno hunt; they want to just have seeds that perform as advertised on the package. And so that's what I—that's what I pr- provide. And also the fem, it needs to be a you know 100% female plants coming out of there. We can't have any Hermes. And uh, so I give seminars, and I've traveled all over this uh, country uh, giving seminars. At, for example, Canacon and High Times uh, Cannabis Cups and such. And it's a 50-minute uh, presentation that I do that describes how feminized seeds are done incorrectly and how you do them correctly. And, you know, there were a lot of mistakes being made in the early days of feminized seeds being created by people who didn't really understand the science behind it. And now that I've, you know, educated myself on it in the past, say, five years, um, I'm one of the few people I think in this possibly world or at least the country that can actually guarantee you're going to get 100% female seeds from a pack of seeds. Well, I like what I'm yeah. hearing. And I think Thank a you. lot of people, yeah. Well, it, to piggyback off that, yes, how can farm how can farms use seeds instead of clones? Well, okay. That's a great question. Comparing... Uh, a commercial grower's um, performance that he's going to expect from starting from seed versus starting from clones. There's the first distinction that I like to point out is that, okay, if you're going to buy clones, remember that's like a ticking time bomb and it's already a pro it's in process. It's in progress already when you buy clones. In other words, they're a living, growing thing. You don't have the option of saying, gee, I want to start all my plants on the 30th of uh, May, you know, (laughs) unless 
the, you can count on the delivery of all your clones on that particular day. And then what's the chances that they're all going to be very similar in size and, uh, and so on and so forth. It's it's much harder to manage, and they're also going to cost more per unit. You know, you're paying uh, $10, $15 a clone. Um, you may get seeds for a fraction of that, you know. Um, when people buy 10000 or more seeds from me, the price is typically in the 3 to $4 range per seed versus, you know, they're buying clones for $10 at least. So economics are not as good with the clones. Um, the seeds tend to be creating like a uniform field of plants that you have the choice of starting them at any time. And once they're germinated and growing, they're all gonna kind of keep pace with each other and turn out very similar. Clones would too, but um, the cost of the clones, as well as you know the fact that you kind of have to work on the clone schedule and not your own schedule are the two major disadvantages of starting with clones versus seed. There's another one. Um, clones can bring in pathogens, whereas the seeds tend to be inert and clean. And so you're not bringing anything into your grow that could possibly jeopardize the health of the other plants. Yeah, it's viable for sure. In my yeah, I've, I've been told by many of the um, commercial cultivators that do business with us that uh, we did the math and we decided starting from seed is the smart thing to do. And so I said, yeah. You did it right. It's fun to run yeah. the numbers. I bet you well, there's a lot of people who are going to run the numbers now. Wow. Like, let's nice. just see. People should uh, reach out to Brothers Grimm if they are in a situation where they need thousands or tens of thousands or 100,000 seeds because that's what we kind of specialize in these days. Um, and all you need to do is write to me directly when you have some a request like that. Just write to brother to um, Mr. Soul at brothersgrimseeds.com. And I'll answer any questions from people, regardless of what they are. But of course, if you're a commercial grower or you're looking for bulk seed purchases, that's the best way to do it is just contact me directly through that email. And what do you recommend home growers are going to access your seeds? Well, I mean, uh, the packs of seeds sell at a fairly brisk rate off of the website. So I encourage people oh, to go. just come on to brothersgrimseeds.com. And if you're just looking for a handful of packs of different, you know, different strains of our seeds or multiple packs of one strain, whatever, you know, is your uh, choice of the day. We accommodate those folks. And if you're a veteran, you can use a coupon code uh, to save yourself 10%. And that's VET420. So VET420 is the coupon code. If you're a veteran and you want to discount on a pack of seeds or whatever your purchase is, it applies to the entire purchase. Awesome. I love it. Um, I was wondering if you've learned anything over the past, you know, 10, 20 years. The like, major you, one. Did you approach, I'm sorry to cut you off there. Finish your question. I'm sorry. Yeah. Did you approach bleeding differently yeah. or with different tactics or are you, a, are you a completely different type of breeder now than you were when you first started? In one way, yes. In another way, no. I mean, I've always emphasized breeding for stability and reliable um, results from the seeds so that what I put in the package performs as advertised on the package and looks like the picture on the package. That stays the same. The major divergence from my previous breeding life and my current one is that I 
did the research and studied and did enough experiments to understand how to properly breed femme seeds. And so now I'm kind of like the country's foremost expert on 100% female seed and how to get that. So one of the nice things about uh, becoming proficient with breeding females um, is the fact that it's always been a, a sort of a dilemma for breeders of cannabis um, that choosing a male to pollinate the female to create the seeds that you intend to create. Until you've done a lot of testing with a male, you really don't know the quality of the, what the seeds are going to be because the male doesn't demonstrate any female qualities. You know, let me back up for a second to explain what I'm talking about here is when you're breeding two organisms, um, like begets like. In other words, that's one of um, Mendel's laws. So if you have characteristics that are observable in one of the organisms, they're likely or possible to be passed on to the next generation. I'm sure everybody can follow along with that. And the other thing is that we all have a mother and a father and we got 50% of our genes from each. So when you think about it, the male is at least 50% responsible for the quality of the offspring. However, Unlike the female of the pair, we can't see the female qualities that he would pass on to his daughters. And that's all that really matters in cannabis because all we're interested in is growing female plants. They're the ones that produce the buds. Males don't. And so it's been a guessing game as to what the outcome would be for so many years and decades with breeding cannabis with males and females. Now think about it this way. You're starting with two females you can instantly observe the female qualities of both parents and therefore much more reliably determine or uh, predict what the outcome of the progeny or the, uh, the next generation is going to be in terms of their female offspring. First of all, all the seeds are going to be females because you two females, they only have X chromosomes. And that's why I call it Cinderella XX is the femme version of Cinderella 99. So we're getting all X chromosomes, we're getting only female plants, and we're also able to know in advance what to expect because say female A and female B both have their particular female qualities that we're looking to blend together. And hopefully as a breeder, we've selected them so they complement each other and create in the next generation what we're desiring to create in that next generation. So what, ha what I'm really beating, down uh, for, your, for your listeners to hear is that breeding with two females guarantees a much more predictable result than the guesswork that's involved with breeding a male to a female. When only the female progeny are the important ones, we're going to throw away the males anyway, you know what I mean? I think you're inspiring a lot of people um, about breeding. So what kind of what kind of tips or guidance would you give a, a person new to breeding yeah. they're at home? They have a dream of being commercial, but oh, yeah. you got to start. They want to learn. Well, one of the things home. about so being a breeder, go? you know, is that uh, the seeds you produce are only, you know, uh, valuable based on your own reputation. So if you create a good reputation for yourself over time, that's a big part of becoming a successful breeder. Nobody buys a horse from somebody you know, who's not a well-known breeder and thinks it's gonna win the Kentucky Derby, right? You know, 
Yeah. The same with dogs. I mean, you buy your dog from right on. A, a and speaking of dogs, you know, um, the fashionable breeds nowadays are like Yorkie Poos and uh, these breeds where you're taking two stable streams and you're crossing them together, two, two stable breeds of dog. And then the result is a Yorkie Poo. But people have to think about, well, in breeding cannabis, there's a sort of a very low level of understanding about how genetics works. And, you know, if there was an analogy to a, a Yorkie poo, it's a, a polyhybrid strain of marijuana. And people will think just because they look at the plant and say, okay, uh, I want to cross this to another plant. They don't realize it has a multi-layered um, history behind its genetics and that that's going to create a lot of variability in the offspring like if you cross a poodle and a yorkshire terrier you get a yorkie poo but if you cross two yorkie poos you don't get more yorkie poos you know what i mean yeah, so okay crazy. going back to your uh, question my recommendation for people if they want to get into breeding is first of all learn how to grow marijuana well and secondly, in, on the side, be studying genetics. Look up on, you know, the internet is so wonderful today. You can look up YouTube videos that describe Mendel's laws, uh, how breeding and uh, genetics works, and how, uh, you know, different colored carnations and puppies and such are created. And uh, all those things apply to the cannabis world, too. And I would recommend that. Learn the basics of how breeding works, but don't fall down a rabbit hole where you're starting to make it more complicated than it needs to be. Cause I've read, you know, different people's writings on the internet who may have read more than they really understand. And then they start confusing themselves. So it's not, there's a, there's a level of complexity that you need to reach, but you shouldn't need to go further than that and start second guessing yourself. That makes sense. That's good advice. You've been giving lots of good advice. And I forgot to ask you. Yeah, you're good at it. You really are. Uh, But I forgot to forgot to ask about the effects that people are reporting with Cinderella 99 and Rosetta Stone. Like what kind of Uh, weed is it? You know, strictly to the terpene profiles and potency and that type of thing. When when they go to my website, brothersgrimseeds.com and look up say they click on any given strain, like I'll click on Grim Glue, we'll have not only a description of the plant, um, but they'll also have data like flowering time. Um, how does it smoke? And I'll just read some of that off for the Grim Glue for as an example. It says flowering time is between 60 and 67 days. It's made up of a about 50-50 sativa indica combination. You're gonna get branchy plants that yield dense buds. It smokes, um, how does it smoke? Highly potent resinous buds with a cedar wood, citrus and skunk fragrance. Uh, Happy uplifting yet relaxing high. And uh, growing notes like a net trellis provides perfect support for these branchy plants. Prune the plants to create multiple tops that will become main colas from the plant. And it gives a very good yield if it's pruned and supported properly. Um, And then say we go back and think about Cinderella 99. The reason it was famous when it was released in 1999 is because back in those days, getting an indoor strain that, uh, you know, specifically 
bred to be an indoor plant and kept it compact height and didn't get too tall and didn't flower for too long and yet still gave you a good yield and had a sativa type high, in other words, an energy high versus a, a couch lock high. I was the first person to ever really produce something like that that was reliably available in seed form. And that was my goal. And the other nice thing about it was that you never get Hermes and the high is uh, energetic, like I said. So you were able to then grow in uh, eight weeks uh, a good yield of some bud that was super frosty and flavorful and gave you like a sativa high without all the disadvantages of trying to grow a sativa indoors. In those days, haze was one of the most popular sativa strains. And when people try to grow it indoors, I mean, you're talking about 16 weeks of flowering and you're getting very skimpy, light yields from those plants. It's not a big yielder. So when somebody comes along with a, a seed type that can cut the flowering time in half and give you double the yield and uh, just as great a high, you know, that's what really put Cinderella 99 on the map. And then having it be a stable strain that when it's crossed to something else makes makes it a great hybrid creator. You know, somebody may have some other strain that they think is an amazing plant. And okay, I want to make seeds. What's a good plant to cross it to? Cross it to C99, you know? And that's what many people over the past couple of decades have been doing. You mentioned you like to tinker in the garden. You like to- Yeah, you know, you get day. into like a what? Zen mentality. I've been writing a column for a magazine called Cannabis Oklahoma. And anybody in Oklahoma can pick a copy up in most of the dispensaries there. Beautiful young lady, uh, Laura Madison runs the company and she produces the magazine. But I'm writing an art uh, every month of my own column. Last month I wrote about the mentality to take when you're in your garden and that you should immerse yourself in the experience and don't think about how much time you're taking to do anything, just do everything right. You know, It's more about accuracy and doing the right thing than how quickly you get it done. You know. Is that advice also on like blog posts on your website? or is Well, that, that was the that only magazine? place that I published that article, but uh, it, it is online. You can do a search on Google, I'm sure, for Cannabis Oklahoma magazine and get an, and get an online oh, version of it. And you could read for the past few months that I've been submitting my work and having a, a regular column in the magazine. That's one of maybe three or four different articles I've written. But I, the main point of that is like, Build a relationship with your plants. And one of the things I suggested in this most recent article was to do a 180 on each of your plants. That means take the pot and turn it around 180 degrees so it's facing the other way, you know. And if you walk through your garden, mm -hmm. let's say most guys have maybe a dozen or a couple dozen, even, you know, 50 plants. You know, you can still have the time to walk around and do a 180 on every plant. Turn that pot around the other way. And the plants then benefit because now the light's hitting the other side of the plant. Um, you know, indoors, the light's staying stationary, essentially. And outdoors, normally the sun is rising in the east and setting in the west. And, you know, the plant gets a full coverage in all directions from the sun. That does, that's just not happening indoors. And not that that's the most important thing, because the really most important thing that I'm trying to emphasize there is that the gardener builds a personal relationship with each and every individual plant by picking up the pot and turning it around 180 degrees you're getting a chance to look at the plant and observe if there's anything wrong with it you're getting uh, a feeling of the weight of the pot which is basically telling you 
how whether it needs water or not, you know? And so you then start to notice as you're watering your plants and tending to them every day and doing the 180 on them, certain ones have their own personalities. You're like, you know, this one tends to use more water than the rest, you know, or whatever it might be. Absolutely. Immerse yourself into your garden. Forget about the time. Um, get good advice from people that really know what they're doing. So in addition to finding that article, people can also look on YouTube for some of the oh, presentations you yeah, referenced you earlier. Went on YouTube that right? And you did a search on Mr. Soul Feminized Seeds and then Shrewsbury, Massachusetts, because that was where I did it. Um, and it was recorded by their public TV uh, station or something like that. But that's the best one that's been recorded. So look for that on YouTube. And uh, if you went on YouTube, uh, I think that wouldn't be too hard to find if you do a search. And are you still a cannabis consumer? I, when I go to see the doctor, you know, uh, for my regular appointments or whatever, and they ask me, you know, about my drug use, I'm happy to say at 61 years old that I don't have any, I don't take any medication at all. Uh, most guys my age need to be on something, you know, like... <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah. Cholesterol, I don't, whatever things that older people tend to suffer from. I'm lucky to, you know, have been good genes. Didn't pick my parents, but they did a good job. And um, so I don't, I'm not on any drugs. And uh, I always tell, as far as cannabis use, I, I say, I, I smoke marijuana about every 90 minutes while I'm awake. <laughs> I don't put when I'm sleeping, but when Fair. I get up in the morning, about every 90 minutes during the course of the day, I'm usually having a puff. But I don't, you know, I don't sit and get baked. Uh, I do, you know, two puffs off of a joint or uh, off a bowl and carry on, you know. Oh, I also I enjoy yeah, music. Really I like to smart. sing and play guitar. And, you know, that's always been a, I don't think I've ever met a guitar player that didn't smoke some weed. Yeah, but it's really cool that you shared that, you know, you take a couple <laughs> yeah. puffs every 90 minutes. It's a, it's a self-regulating drug, uh, marijuana. It, it tends to um, reach a peak when, you know, you've smoked a moderate amount, and then it kind of takes you down if you, you can smoke yourself straight, as we used to say as teenagers. And that was back in the days when, you know, like Colombian and Mexican brickweed was being smoked. And, <laughs> smoked. and uh, yeah, you know, it tends to give you your best results when you take a little break from it or you smoke a little more sparingly and a couple of hits is just nice to put you in the right zone. And, uh, and then you'll find another couple hours later, you say, mm, you know, I could use another poke. <laughs> That's how I am. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I'm similar in that I consume all day, except I only roll joints and I usually smoke about mm, six or up. seven a day. Um, but I'll put, put one down and they're, they're small. Okay. They're pretty, they're, I'm they're not small. judging, but I definitely do a lot more than two puffs at a time. Um, well, I tend to smoke real strong weed too. So they don't need more than a couple. It's almost like, okay, I think I've had enough. Right. That's true. And I don't actually, and I don't, and that's true. Cause I can't smoke a that's, full joint of that's really a good distinction to make. You know, I've always felt like, um, if I've given the, if I'm given the choice, I'd rather have very strong marijuana that I only need a couple of puffs from and I'm happy than to have to smoke a whole joint or something. 
Oh, I'm happy with mm-hmm. that light. Like yeah, I light. know uh, many German people light um, who like to drink beer during the day, and they 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 say, "You Americans are crazy." You know, why do you like to drink such strong beer? It's so much better to drink beer all day long when it's like only three percent or something. <laughs> That's awesome. I've traveled and oh, lived man, around the crazy. world uh, during the course of my life, and so I picked up a lot of different cultural insights. And I always find that fascinating to think about, you know, the American way of doing things versus the way that people do things in other parts of the world and the way they think about things that are very common, like taking a picture. We, we will say, you want to take a picture of that? And in Holland, uh, they would say, would you like to make a picture from that? Ooh, right. That and so there are very subtle things and like cultural that. differences. Uh, you could spend the rest of your life just getting interested in and studying those little things. And it's fascinating, at least to me. Speaking other languages is also something that's a, a fascinating thing to me. I learned to be very fluent in French from my time living in Belgium and France. And um, when I speak to uh, a French speaking person, you know, they usually say, oh, my God, I'm so amazed. You know, most Americans can't speak but a few you know, words or maybe a phrase or two in French. But, you're, you know, you're able to carry on a very high level conversation. And I'm so proud of that. You know, and I, I think that's something that everybody you know, needs is get up in the morning and have a reason for being, you know, get out there and be interested in something. Absolutely. Absolutely. I guess I mentioned that because I've met a few people recently that just don't seem to have any ambition to do anything. Uh, oh, it's they get stuck in a rut. People get stuck in a rut and either they hit rock bottom or something shakes them out of it. But it's good, you know, for you to remind people that they can make yeah. change and be happy. Take a, take, There's also take a few so much steps. out there material-wise to, di- to dig into and get into. There's so many interesting things to apply yourself toward. You know, I'm 60, I'll be 62 in uh, March, and I never run out of, you know, in any given day, things that I could get into and, and do. Uh, it's The world is not that boring <laughs> if you don't want it to be. Uh, are you searching for, are, when you're doing your travels, are you always kind of weaving in some No, uh, you know, that's a good question too. You know, people might think because I'm Mr. Soul and I breed, you know, that I'm constantly seeking out new seeds and things to try. Uh, remember my model is to make very reliably stable strains. Um, and to do that, I work within a gene pool that's kind of tight, you know. And when I do reach outside of them, uh, reach outside of that uh, spectrum of my own genetics to something else, what I'd be looking for is something that really brings a lot to the table in terms of why should I be breeding with this? Why do I want to add it to what I already do? It has to really bring something important to the table and at the same time be stable and um, you know not a polyhybrid that you, you've got one pheno of and you know its offspring are going to be all over the board. So for example, let's say a pure Afghani indica or something like that would be of interest to me, but very few other things. Like say somebody will say, hey, you want this cut of, uh, what do they have nowadays? Snickers or Skittles or some silly names, you know? And I'll be like, no thanks, <laughs> you know, that, 
with my model of breeding, that's a polyhybrid that I can't, I can't, uh, you know, judge what to expect from a pack of seeds if I create them with something like that. But that's better sold as a clone, you know. And then you just grow the clones. You're on Facebook, and I know I'm on Facebook. We connect a little bit. Are you seeing the – I'm seeing this daily where people are reporting the Which scam was, that they fell for. They're like – What are we talking about? Uh, so it seems like every day, because we're both in several cannabis groups, cannabis growing Facebook groups. I don't tend to join groups. Not, but, I get um, a lot of invites, but I, I tend to not do them because – what if if I if I do that, I kind of feel like I'm committing to something and I want to be involved in it and I really don't have the time. So I kind of have a open door. You know, my do- my office door is open. Come and see me when you need to. But don't expect me to join your groups and come and comment on things because um, I have so much to do in any given day. I can't pretend to, you know, get involved. Well, you, you got to get your assistant managing your social media profile because I think you could drop some timely wisdom in those groups. I'll try. Time, but if somebody I'll, from one I, of those I groups, see. here's what usually happens is somebody from one of those groups will say, hey, we're having this debate over here. And could you uh, solve a, a question? And they'll message me or something and I'll shoot it back or I'll or I'll pop in and do a quick impromptu cameo or something, but I can't hang around. I, I don't have that kind of time. I hear that. Well, I'm seeing back to what I was trying to explain. I'm seeing every day people are getting scammed trying to oh, I see do that. people on Facebook in these. Well, see, here's another groups. thing. You know, yeah. Why would you do that? You know, like sometimes people will say to me, do you know there's another company that's trying to like, sell a version of cinderella 99 and i was like yeah not worried about that i said who would want to go and see beatles on broadway when a uh, beetle and beetle mania on broadway when you can actually see the real beatles you know so it, it's i guess an ignorance or uh, you know many times people think of things like commodities like it's just a it's a gallon of milk you know the best price on it is it's, it's all the same product or a car for example you know it's a Buick Skylark 2020, uh, I'm going to buy it from the dealer who sells it the cheapest because it's the same thing. It's not the same thing when you buy seeds. And think about the investment you're making. When you purchase genetics, that's the one most important purchase in your entire grow because everything else is just the creation of an environment for the plant to live in. So to use an, a really ridiculous example, if you planted celery seeds, the weed is going to suck. Okay. So it all depends on what the freaking hell seeds you put in that garden. You can have the most perfect environment. And if it's celery seeds, you're going to get celery, you know, and look at the price of seeds. They're not that expensive. If somebody even said, I'll give you a free pack of seeds. I don't know what the results you're going to get are. They might be good. Uh, I bred them myself and I'm on Facebook. Gee, give me that pack of seeds. Uh, it's free. Now, now compare that to I could go to brothersgrimseeds.com, a reliable company that's been around for over 20 years with an amazing, great reputation, 
And for that $100, I would have a pack of seeds that then for the next four months that I invest growing in them, fruition, I know the end result is going to be excellent as long as I can provide a, an adequate environment. But why would you invest four months of your time growing seeds that you have no idea what the quality is? Is that $100 worth it? It's like the price of a light bulb. You know, if you're not willing to put as much into your genetics that you're purchasing as you would for a lamp, <laughs> I feel sorry for you as a grower. Yeah. Not getting what's the most important purchase in the entire operation? It's all about the plant. Oh, I would advise anybody who's saying, well, I tried getting these seats from this unknown guy on Facebook. I'm like, what did you expect? Yeah, and they offered the three extra free seeds, uh, and that's probably what sealed the deal. <laughs> Just go to a reliable seed producer. I mean, Brothers Graham, I know, you know, I'll stand behind anything. If I ever get an email, and it's very rare that somebody, maybe they're inexperienced and they had some germination issues or something, I usually just say, where do you want a new, a new fresh pack of seeds sent to? You know, no problem. I'll give you another free pack. So they get a guarantee with me too. You know, you're going to be successful. Awesome. Well, thank you for Real spending good all this you, time. Yeah. Yeah. You bring a lot to the table. This is the kind of episode people are going to have to listen to. I'm an to old twice. dude. I've got, I've got so much experience. It's a, we didn't even scratch the surface. Well, that's what we did. We scratched the surface. Well, thank and you. Hopefully we get a bunch of inquiries and we can go down the rabbit hole further next time. But in the meantime, everybody uh, reach out to this man, get your genetics directly from the source and keep growing. And Rick, do you have any final words for Mr. Soul? Do you have any final anybody words who, you know, I'll remind anybody who needed to rewind the tape or something to get back to it. But you can find us online, brothersgrimseeds.com, and you can make your purchases from our website. And if you have a special request or a question or you want a bulk quantity of seeds, write to me, Mr. Soul, that's M-R-S-O-U-L, at brothersgrimseeds.com, and I'll take the time to answer you in person. Thank you so much, Rick. Thank you, Mark. Have a great day. Bye-bye now. Good luck. You too. Thanks for tuning in to my cannabis podcast. If you enjoyed it, share with a friend, family member, or colleague so everyone can get informed on all things cannabis this 2021. We're also selling high quality hemp cigarettes made in San Diego. So if you're looking for an alternative to traditional cigarettes, look no further. They're made in San Diego. There's no nicotine, tobacco, or added chemicals, and everything, even the box, filter, and paper are made from hemp.